As mentioned in the children's message, today we begin the season of Advent, and Advent is a season that's created by the church. However, the purpose and the intent behind Advent is biblically based. Advent is a season of anticipation and waiting. Advent helps us to process what it means to wait and what we're called to do in that waiting period. Advent reminds us that it's okay to wait. In fact, waiting is part of the Christian life. Just as people centuries ago heard the prophecies of Christ's first coming, and they waited, these prophecies are too for us, as we anticipate not only celebrating, of course, Christmas on Christmas Day and the, and the birth of Jesus, but as we anticipate Christ's return, his second coming. So this morning we read from a passage of Luke 12, 35 to 40. And before we do that, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, you are a God of promises and faithfulness. And yet, with promises often comes a period of waiting. We see people waiting throughout the Old Testament, and now in the New Testament, we continue to live out that waiting. So as we hear from your word this morning, we give you thanks for it, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts and minds to what you are speaking to us this morning. Bless the reading and the preaching and the listening, and bless our waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 12, 35 to 40. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I think it's fair to say that many of us probably do not like waiting. I mean, I dislike waiting. When I put something into the microwave, I will often find something else to do in the kitchen just so I'm not waiting. And if I come back to the microwave and there might be like 10 seconds left on the timer, I'm going to hit cancel. Because I just want the microwave to be done. So I don't have to wait those final, long, agonizing 10 seconds. Because I already had enough waiting. I'm probably not the only one here that hits cancel on the microwave. There's a classic play by Samuel Beckett. And it's titled Waiting for Got It. G-O-D-O-T. This play represents the scene, uh, or presents rather, the scene of two characters, Vladimir and Estragon, who engage in diverse discussions as they wait for Godot. And Godot, the supposed third character, never shows up. He continually sends word that he's going to appear, but he doesn't. Now, waiting for Godot has been suggested that this play is about waiting for God. 
And the point of this play is that waiting is futile and foolish. Maybe some of, some of you have waited for people who just have never showed up. And maybe that seemed futile and foolish to you. But Jesus describes waiting differently. Again, waiting is part of the Christian life. Waiting is what Christians are called to do. So in this passage this morning from Luke 12, it's about waiting. And in our waiting, we are called to be ready and prepared. So our waiting is not just passive waiting. Our waiting is active waiting. Our waiting includes action. Our waiting involves preparation and readiness. Jesus is telling a story to the crowds of people at a Jewish wedding, about a Jewish wedding. And the participants in this wedding are, of course, the bride and the groom, and there are servants as well in this story. Now, Jewish weddings occurred at night, and the bridegroom's servants would have to just wait. They'd wait around for the master to come home with his bride. The couple could return home any time from the middle of the night to the break of day. The bride, of, bride and groom would not want to be found waiting at the door, just kind of standing there, knocking on the door, and nobody there to greet them. The servants were to be prepared. They were to be prepared to serve the master, to serve the groom, to serve the new bride. They were waiting in anticipation for the couple's arrival. So they were waiting servants. The servants were instructed to be waiting for that knock on the door. Now, they don't know when that knock will occur. They don't know exactly when the groom and the bride will return from the wedding and appear at the front door. But there is certainty. There is certainty that they will be there. And it's probably between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. There is a certain hope that the master and his bride will return. They just don't have the specific knowledge of when. So they were actively anticipating and waiting for their master. And so Jesus states that the servants were to be prepared and ready. Jesus continues to state that the servants were to be dressed ready for service, and they were to have their lamps burning. So there were activities that they were expected to do. The servants were to be dressed ready. They weren't to be in their pajamas or or their nightwear. They were to be ready to receive the master as soon as the master appeared at that door. Now, in the original Greek language, this word dressed means that their robes were not to be just kind of hanging loose, but rather the robes were to be tied up. They were to be ready for activity, ready for action. In a sense, as we would call it, we were ready, rolled up our sleeves. Our sleeves are rolled up, ready for action. They were dressed for action in receiving and honoring their master and new bride. And it also states that they were dressed to be ready, but also their lamps were to be burning. Again, in ancient Israel, there were no street lamps or porch lights that were left on. The burning lamp by the servants was the light to indicate to the master where the master was headed and to provide light for them towards the door. The burning lamp was an indication that, okay, the servants are ready. The the lamp is burning. The light is on. And this, too, was an active role of the servants, an active waiting, because oil was needed to keep the lamps burning all night. They didn't know how long it was going to be. The lamps just don't burn on their own. 
It needed to be taken care of and attended to. Now I'm going to assume that waiting in ancient Israel would likely be not much different than waiting in the 21st century in Canada. Waiting is often difficult. Just like waiting for God, it was difficult. Waiting for anybody can create a sense of tension and anxiety, especially if we don't have the expected time of arrival. How often don't we text people? ETA. This passage closes off with the words, you must be ready. And it's difficult to be ready when you don't know the arrival time. Let's say you were asked to pick somebody up at the airport, and the only information that the person gives you is that they're probably going to arrive sometime today. Do I go before church? Do I go after church? When do I go? And will I even really want to feel like picking them up if they're being so vague? How can we be ready and prepared without an arrival time? Well, we're called to be ready. We're called to be prepared for Jesus. Because he will come at an hour when we don't expect him. So there we have it. The Christian life is a period of waiting. Let it be a time of active waiting. A time in which we're called to be prepared. A time in which we're called to be ready. The Christian life is a period of readiness. Francis of Assisi, a 13th century monk, he was approached one afternoon while he was gardening. And he was asked... Francis, if you knew that Jesus was coming this very hour for you, what would you do? At this, Francis paused from his gardening work, looked up at the man and replied, I'd finish my gardening. Francis could finish his gardening because he was ready and he was actively living out his commitment to Jesus throughout his life. So the question comes to us, are we dressed for service? Are our lamps burning? Are we actively waiting for Jesus? I think actively waiting is understanding that the kingdom of heaven is already present. It's already present here on this earth. And, and we are called to be actively part of God's kingdom. Part of his kingdom work today. To be committed to Jesus and, and to his work on this earth. To actively wait is to be ready and to be serving Jesus and serving one another, doing his will on this earth. Like the servants, we are dressed for action. And this doesn't necessarily mean that to be wearing your Sunday best or anything. Rather, our sleeves are to be rolled up for God's kingdom work and being prepared for Christ's return. Our hearts, minds, and souls are to be reflecting that we are representatives of Jesus Christ each and every day. Every day, we are the church. We are the church in our families, in our schools, in our work, in our entertainment, in our relationships. And if we honestly admit it, we likely have a lot of work to do in all of these areas. I know I do. Actively waiting and being ready for Jesus, it's difficult, but not impossible. And we're called to strive for this, to, to strive for this in our lives, in, in all our daily activities. Action doesn't only mean coming to uh, worship, to the worship service on Sunday mornings. It also means honoring Christ and worshiping him outside this one hour of worship. 
It's honoring Christ with the, using our spiritual gifts and, and our possessions and our time that honors him and, and serves him and serves others. It's being dressed for service. It's being dressed for action in all parts of his kingdom. Similarly, like the servants, we need to ensure that our lamps are burning. And this continues the theme of action for those who are waiting. We're to prepare our lamps. We're, we're to let our lamps continue to shine. We're to shine the light of Jesus. Not so that Jesus can find his way to us, but so that others can find their way to Jesus. We're called to be active people in his kingdom. And this is not stating that we all need to be active on a committee in the church or, or even active on, at the Sunday morning worship service behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. Activity for some might be that active prayer warrior who, who's praying at home or financial contributors or acti- actively loving your neighbor and loving others who are difficult to love in our families or in our communities. We're called to be an active people who wait in God's kingdom. Now, when you look at the context of this passage, there's a lot of stuff that can distract us. I didn't read the whole passage of chapter 12, but just prior to these passage, this passage that we read this morning, in Luke 12, verses 1 to 12, Jesus is talking to the crowds of people, and he's telling them, he's preparing them, they need to be ready, they need to be on their guard. And then following that, in verses 13 to 21, Jesus is talking to people how greed can easily distract people. And then in verses 22 to 34, he teaches people how worry and anxiety can be so distracting. So already setting up this passage in Luke 12, Jesus teaches the people that there are many distractions that could prevent us from waiting and being ready, for being ready for Christ's return. There are many distractions that can prevent us from being dressed and from keeping our lamps burning. Scripture calls us to be servants and dressed for service, to have our lamps burning. Scripture calls us to be actively waiting in preparation for Jesus and ready for his return. But then what happens in this story, there's a bit of a twist. Firstly, take note that in this passage, there's a phrase that's repeated. In both verses 37 and 38, we read, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching. Verse 37. And in verse 38, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. How good and pleased Jesus will be when he finds his people actively waiting and being part of his kingdom here on this earth. The master is expressing his close relationship between him and the servants. And there's a such, such a close relationship that the expectation, he just expects that his servants will be there and it will be good. As noted, it will be good if they're there. The servants were not just simply watching Netflix or distracted with their social media accounts. They were actively anticipating and waiting for their master. They were expected. He counted on them to be ready and prepared. And so the master is pleased for those who are actively waiting and for those who are ready. But the twist in this passage comes in verse 37. 
after we are reminded that it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes, goes on to say, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. You see, the kingdom of God is often opposite and not at all what is expected. The master becomes the servant. And the servants are the ones who are being served. Now, typically at ancient weddings, and, and it's not much different than today, the bride is kind of like the queen and, and the groom is kind of like the king. I mean, they're the guests of honors at the ceremony at the wedding. And you probably wouldn't find them suddenly serving the staff. But the kingdom of God is called opposite, is, is often rather opposite of what we would expect. So the twist here is that the master will then become the servant. Our king, the master, will minister to and serve his people. And this is opposite than what we're used to. The people at the door are the servants. But now Jesus is saying the master is the servant. The master is dressed. He is dressed for service. And for those who are ready, who've been actively waiting, those who are ready, Jesus is ready to serve them. If you're ready for the master, for Jesus, then the servants will be placed around the table. And the master will wait on the servants. Jesus will be the servant. People of God, the twist in this passage is the twist in the whole of the Bible story. And that is Jesus humbly came to this earth as a human baby to save us from our sins. Jesus came down to this earth to take our place on the cross. He was born to become the suffering servant. He was born perfect to take upon him all our imperfections, all our sins. He was born to serve his people. And it pleases him when his people are dressed to serve and their lamps are burning so he can serve the people. So are you ready for the return of Jesus. Not just talking about Christmas, we're talking about the second coming. And are you ready for him to serve you? If not, seek him. And seek first his kingdom. And take that step of being ready today. Turn your hearts to Jesus, commit to him, serve him, have faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as your servant. And if you are ready for the return of Jesus, just continue to roll up your sleeves and keep your lamps burning to be the active servants in the kingdom of God and also be ready to be served when Jesus returns. Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper provides us a visual and taste of the body and blood of Christ. And so we remember the death of Jesus. But we also remember his birth, his life, his resurrection, and the ascension. 
And we're reminded of his second coming. And when we will be together in the presence of Jesus and celebrating at that great feast. So at the table this morning, Jesus is serving us. And he is extending his love and his grace to us. He is our servant. And this is a foretaste of what to expect. And this is a period of waiting. But a period of actively waiting for Jesus. And for us to be continuing obeying him and his will and his word. Waiting for God may have seemed futile and foolish for Vladimir and Estragon. But actively waiting for Jesus is not foolish. It's not futile. Actively waiting for Jesus will result in a reward beyond our understanding when he returns and he serves his people. Have faith in Jesus Christ and be ready for him. Amen. Let's come to God in a time of prayer and a prayer of God's people. Holy and awesome God, we praise you and adore you. We rejoice that you became flesh and you made your dwelling among us. And so now we wait and long for your return. And as we wait, may we respond and live our lives in obedience to you, giving you thanks for the many blessings that you provide to us each and every day. And we thank you for loving us and serving us as our Savior. And may we respond in being servants to you and to one another each and every day of our lives. Lord, we lift up the Holy Catholic Church, the universal Christian church, and all the ministries and gospel proclamations that are accomplished through your church around the world. We lift up churches in our denomination, in our classes, and among our communities. And what a blessing to have the name of Jesus proclaimed at so many opportunities on Sundays throughout this, wor throughout this world and throughout the week. We also ask your blessing on the many activities and services that are occurring in your name during this time of year of Christmas. Even in the midst of people's distractions and perhaps excitement, maybe with Santa or shopping or presents or Christmas parties, um, maybe even striving to put Christmas lights up, may the one light of Jesus continue to shine and open eyes and hearts to the gift of our Lord and Savior. We pray for the needs of this world. We pray for those suffering persecution for being in a relationship with Jesus. We pray that you provide them the continued grace that they need and, and work justice through the oppressors. We pray for areas of disease and war and suffering, and we pray for peace and justice in these areas. We pray for those enduring natural disasters around the world, whether earthquakes, droughts, or floods and rains. And we particularly pray for our brothers and sisters in Western Canada and U.S. Give hope and restoration to your people there. We also bring our individual needs to you, and we pray for the unborn children to the oldest of seniors. And we continue to ask that you bring healing to your people, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, relational, and others who need your healing grace. And there are things that are known to us and unknown among us, but you are all-knowing. And we pray for your continued presence in all the lives of your people. Give hope and assurance and your spirit of comfort upon your people. Be with students during this busier time of year of completing a semester. 
provide strength and wisdom and remove negative anxieties. And also, this is a time of year when many loved ones are missed. Perhaps some are overseas serving in military positions or in missions. And there are others in our families and friends that you've called home to you. So Lord, give strength and comfort in whatever circumstance. Through your spirit, provide patience and encouragement among your people. And may we as a community of the saints be the people that you call us to be in a hurting world. And we offer these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our source of hope. Amen.